A little hidden history, a little pedagogy, a lot of ways we can improve our teaching and mindset so that our history and social studies classrooms tell a more complete, diverse human story. I'm Cheryl Ann Amendola, and this is the Teaching History Her Way podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Teaching History Her Way podcast. My name is Cheryl Ann Amendola, and I am your host. I am so, so, so glad you are here for this episode, which is going to be another wonderful women's history episode uh, featuring the Women in the American Story program through the New York Historical Society with one of our ambassadors, Michael Oakes. Michael grew up in New Jersey and went to Boston University before moving to Los Angeles, where he taught history for the past 18 years, and he still teaches history. He teaches APUS and a few electives like history and film and race and gender in American history. Mike was also one of our only male ambassadors, which might have been an interesting experience. And the new ambassador cohort actually asked him about that. And we're going to ask him about that today, too. Mike, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Long time listener, first time guest. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so, Mike, tell us about how you found out about being a Women in the American Story ambassador and what you love about Women in the American Story first. That's the first thing all of the ambassadors do when they come on the show. <laughs> um well, I had a very long route to becoming a, 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 an ambassador. I, the, the very first time I, um, I was introduced, I was at my first National Council on the Social Studies. It was in San Francisco, maybe four or five years ago. And I went into one, uh, were you there? Yes, and I was in I was where, exactly where you're going to say you were. <laughs> <laughs> I went into a session and the, the, the woman who put together WAMS, uh, Leslie Hayes, was making a, a presentation about the unit that I'm, I'm going to talk about, but um, a different section of that unit. And it was all about um, uh, immigration, xenophobia and immigration. And the, there were only two primary sources that she presented, but the first one just blew my mind. It was a, um, uh, what do you call it? A personal account from a woman who had been a suffragist and she had married a German man. And she was writing in the year 1920 and she called herself a woman without a country because what had happened was because she married a man from Germany citizenships conferred through the man. And so she married somebody who had been, you know, the enemy in World War One, and she lost her citizenship right at the point where she was so excited that she had gotten the right to vote. And seeing this made me just rethink everything that I'd ever thought about teaching the 19th Amendment, that this, there was this historic milestone and everything was great for women after that. And no, here were, here was this primary source that just kind of like opened my eyes to like just immigration, xenophobia, the, the meaning of citizenship, all of these things just came into this one uh, resource that was pretty amazing to me. So um, that was my first introduction. And then that summer, I applied to um, 
one of the National Endowment for the Humanities programs, uh, one of the teacher programs that they were running. Um, and it covered that same period from 1920 to 1948. And it was a deep dive into their curriculum. And it was such a, um, an amazing experience, like got to meet some great teachers every day. I mean, we were on Zoom, but every day we would uh, talk to great scholars like uh, Elaine uh, Weiss and um, uh, Shola Lynch, who again, every day was just a, a, a mind opening experience to what I'd been missing. And then after that, I said, oh, I want more. <laughs> and then I applied to become a WAMS ambassador. Um, and yes, I was one of the few males, but I think that was great. So just so our listeners know, the Women in the American Story Program or and the WAMS Ambassador Program accepts new cohorts every year. We were in the inaugural program, but if that's something that you're interested in, get in touch with either Mike or me or any of the past guests that were WAMS Ambassadors, and we'd be more than happy to tell you about the program. And New York Historical Society Women in the American Story is also continuing to offer National Endowment for the Humanities programs. So make sure you check out their website. Um, so that you can, uh, so that you can apply to those too, because they're really, really worthwhile. Um, Mike, before we move on and you tell yeah. us about, uh, women in world war II, which is, I know partially why you're here. So Mike, we had both pointed out that you were one of the only men in the women, in the American story program. And I was just wondering before we start talking about the women of world war II, which is, I know why you're really here and why our listeners are here too. Um, I just want to know why you think it's important for men and boys to learn about women's history. Well, in my previous response, talking about the, uh, you know, that one um, primary source, I think that's kind of indicative of um, how I feel as, as a history teacher, that every once in a while I have that moment where I go, there is so much I don't know. And I think... Um, a lot of my colleagues, I've, I've heard colleagues say, oh, you know, women don't play that much into history. Oh. And I have to admit, you know, I know, I know. But one of the things that really, you know, when I was a high school student, I expected that to be the end of my history education. I didn't plan to become a history teacher. And, you know, my the history that I was taught was very male-centered and very white male-centered. And I'm really glad that I continued to learn about history because I realized just how much I didn't know and how much, you know, the story is so much broader and the dominant narratives leave out so much. And so I, I'm always thinking about the problem of the fact that like our students, my, my high school students, you know, 95% of them are gonna go into fields and, and um, uh, walks of life where they're never going to learn history again. And so to me, let's present the story in the broadest way possible at the high school level so that, you know, we have a more informed electorate, more informed people who understand other walks of life. Like even if you're not a woman, women's history matters to everyone. Such a good way to put it. 
So your specialty in women in the American story was women of World War II. Can you tell us about the women you found and the patterns that you saw? Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I want to, can I, can I start with something? Because I I think one of the, the, on the WAMS uh, curriculum, the World War II uh, page starts with this um, propaganda poster. And it's got a picture of a, um, a woman clutching a bunch of like telegrams and she's um, standing in front of a, um, a, a star, you know, the, the star, I don't know what, what the, it's called, but like the star that signifies that you have a, um, a loved one at war. Mm-hmm. And she's clutching these telegrams, which you assume are from her husband or whatever. Um, and the the text says, "Longing won't bring him back sooner. Get a war job. See your U.S. employment service." And then at the bottom, it says, "The War Manpower Commission." And this is what they chose to put at the very beginning, which I, I find kind of funny, but also kind of fitting because. I think that uh, and this image of this woman pining for her her man to come back home is uh, I, I think a lot of people believe that that that's what women were doing during the war and as I explored this this unit like well wait a second that, that that is one type of woman and maybe she's not even pining. Maybe she's happy. I don't know. But this propaganda poster is saying so much about like what people believed about women's roles in the war. Um, And yet one of the things that's beautiful about WAMS is like you learn, wait, women are in the military. Women are in the war industries. Women are at, um, uh, publishing newspapers exposing a lot of what's happening in World War II. Um, women are inventing computer codes to you know, help win the war. Um, there's so many different stories and the, and the diversity of what's happening, it's so rich that like it's an entire unit. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, one of the more famous characters that we get out of World War II is Rosie the Riveter. And it's so important to point out that Rosie is a picture of one woman, but there is no one, one Rosie. There's no one story for any of the women that we talk about, no matter what time period we're talking about. Um, so if you wanted to give students an overview of how women impacted the war effort, what would be some advice that you would give to teachers to, for what to cover? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, luckily, Wams did it all for me, but um, <laughs> so I think this unit, like, here's how I approached it. Um, I really like to start with that propaganda poster um, as kind of the baseline, because to me, it, it like helps kids to like first take the, the myth and then to subvert the myth by exploring what really happened. And there's some great resources on here um, that can help kids do that. So um, there's a collection of propaganda posters um, that are targeted towards women. Um, there are some great photos. This is, this is one of the things I have my students do. There's just 
collections of photos of women in the wax and the waves, there are, the, which were segregated. So they have uh, the white waves and the, the black waves, and you get to see women in uniform, which I think is really important for kids to see themselves as, you know, the possibilities of what they can do in their own lives. But um, there's also a really interesting uh, primary source that they've included about the design of the women's uniforms and whether they were going to make them too woman-ish, um, which is kind of interesting. It says something about, you know, how the military was thinking about dividing men and women in, in the services. Um, and then they have these life stories, which, you know, if you've seen WAMS, these are um, one of the great uh, features that they use. They have life stories. And there are four just fascinating women who all played a role in um, uh, winning World War II for the United States. And so what I always do, I, I, this is a little uh, technique I stole from uh, the Zen Education Project that does, it's called a, a mixer. Mm -hmm. Each student reads one of the profiles and then adopts that character. So there's four excellent profiles on here. A student would read their own profile. And they would become that person. And then you set the kids loose to go talk to one another um, in character. So that way they learn about like, they won't learn one character very um, thoroughly, but then they, they see the experiences of other women in the war. And the, the four people that they have in these life stories um, is, it's astounding. There's uh, this Chen Xiong Wu, who is a, um, a physicist, she was a Chinese-American physicist who helped build the atomic bomb. There's Grace Brewster Murray Hopper, who um, she was a computer program for the Navy. Uh, Grace Thorpe, who is, um, she was a Native American woman and her father was Jim Thorpe. Mm -hmm. um, and she served in the Pacific Front. And then Anne O'Hare McCormick, who was, who worked on the New York Times and started uh, publishing stories about the rise of fascism in Europe and um, Nazi aggression in Europe, exposing that to American audiences. So that's one of the ways um, that I get kids to, to realize, like it wasn't just women, it wasn't just Rosie, it wasn't just Rosie the Riveter. And then, there were a lot of women who were working in war industries. And one of the um, resources that I really like, it's not on WAMS, but um, the Cal State University in Long Beach has a uh, audio library mm -hmm. of oral histories of Rosie the Riveters. It's called like the Rosie the Riveter Oral History Project. And students could go and listen to the real experiences of women who worked in these wartime industries and they follow them through. So like, you know, you'll hear about what life was like working during World War II, but also that really important part after the war, when a lot of the women are pushed out of the industry, even though they, they didn't wanna go. 
Yeah. That's really incredible. Number one, that there's that oral history, because I feel like I teach a lot of 18th century history, so we don't have that. So anytime you can hear a voice from the past, I, I, I love that. Um, and then also there's that statistic of about 75% of women did not want to go back home after world war two, women in world war two changed the shape of society. So they didn't only help with the war effort. They were helping with, um, they were helping reshape what a woman should be like. How do the, how do the kids respond to that oral history? I'm just curious. Um, I generally do it, uh, the, that that's outside of class. So I don't get to see them uh, experience it firsthand. I've curated it because when I first did it, excuse me, I just set them loose and I said, go find one and listen to it. And some of them are not <laughs> worth listening to, but there's some good ones. And I think, um, especially when we get to the next unit, like the kind of Cold War, uh, post-war America, unit, a lot of people really wake up to the the injustice of um, women being pushed out of the industries. Um, so that's that's my favorite part is like them like getting riled up for you know Rosie the Riveters and and realizing like also I mean I'm I teach in Southern California where you know so much of the defense industry is and that that might have been their their grandmother who you know was being pushed out of this job so some kids are you know waking up to the fact that this is their own life this is their own family isn't that incredible to hear and see and watch yeah yeah yeah, that's that's one of the great parts about you know teaching the the 20th century is that it, it becomes real. So, did you have a favorite primary source or life story from either WAMS or any of the other resources that you use teaching women in World War II? And if you do, which one which one was it and why? Tell us about them. <laughs> um, and you can't yeah. say all of them. <laughs> Okay, I, I'm not going to. I, I definitely know which one it is. <laughs> um, there's a, uh, it's called Women in War Work on Film, and it's a training film, not for women, not for women in the war industries, but for the men who might manage women oh my. in these war industries. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is my favorite because it's just everything's wrong about it. There's so much that is wrong with this video. Um, but I like to show it. I When I did my WAMS ambassador presentations to other teachers, I showed this and it, it went over way better with other teachers than it did with um, students because it's about 12 minutes and and it is very slow and it's it's definitely got, you know, it was definitely produced in the 1940s. So um, the, the gist of it is that this plant manager, he, uh, he's never managed women before and his boss is telling him, oh, women are different and you're gonna have to learn how to deal with, with women. And most of it is, um, 
a little bit technical, like safety stuff, things like that. But then there's this brilliant moment, which may be the only part that was actually written by a woman, you don't know, but um, he comes home and his wife asks him about uh, his day. And there's some joke also embedded in there that, you know, she says like, oh, I didn't do anything. And then she rattles off the million things that she did to, to, to run her household and everything. And then she, uh, she listens to, you know, what he says about, his, you know, his, the stress of his job. Now he has to learn how to manage women. And she gives him a piece of advice but does so in a way that like makes him think that he thought of it. And it's brilliant because this one moment you feel like, wait a second, all this other stuff that is just so wrong about, about the messages sending about women. Um, it's really something. And, you know, I show it to the kids, even though. So what is some of the advice that the video gives? Well, uh, there's one moment that stands out that uh, the, the problem that has to be solved is that um, one woman doesn't want to wear her safety cap because um, uh, for, for her hair, you know, she doesn't want to put her hair in this safety cap. And the manager, the, they show the wrong way to approach her and then the right way. And the wrong way was to say, you know, hey, that's the regulations. You've got to put your cap on. And then she like argues back saying, hey, so-and-so doesn't wear the cap, et cetera. And then the right way to approach her is to say, well, look what would happen if your hair got caught in this machine. You wouldn't want that, would you? And then of course, in the end, she says, boy, I really didn't think of it that way. Thank you, I'll wear my cap. <laughs> I am definitely going to be watching that later. <laughs> um, so we are just about out of time and I'm hoping that audience, I hope I want you to know that the editing of this episode has been a little difficult because the internet connection has been wonky the entire time. So, um, but before we part, do you have any final things that you want to leave us with or leave our teachers with about teaching women's history or teaching the women of World War II? I, I, I don't know that I, I have anything else to share. I just would stress if you get the opportunity, please apply for one of the National Endowment for the Humanities programs through WAMS or try to become a WAMS ambassador. It is such a, it, it honestly was the, the best professional uh, experience in my life. And obviously I'm still talking to Cheryl Ann. So um, I've made some great connections through the program and it's really broadened my perspective about teaching and about history. And if the ambassador program or any don't fit into your schedules, please use those resources that Mike and I have been talking about uh, for the last 25 minutes or so. Um, Mike, thank you so very much for making time to talk to me. I really appreciate you being on here and I hope you'll come back. Oh, I absolutely will. I had a great time. Thanks so much, Cheryl. Ann. 
And audience, thank you for making time for me in your car or your living room or wherever it is that you listen each week. I very, very, very much appreciate you. And um, I do this because I love kids. I love teaching. I love history. And I love my colleagues. So any way that I can be helpful in this world, that's what I'm trying to do. If you would like to get in touch with me outside of this episode, you can find me on the web, www.teachinghistoryherway.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at Teaching History Herway or on Twitter at History Herway or on Facebook, you guessed it, at History Herway. I will see you or I guess I won't see you. I will chat with all of you very, very soon. I hope you have a great day until our next episode.